Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's got to 2 2, and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Hello, welcome to another Touchy Gooners podcast. It's your boy Dan Coogs on hosting duty this week. It's been, and what a week it has been, you know. It's been a fantastic week football-wise um, for the, the podcast and for Arsenal fans everywhere, you know. Um, this week, we've got Shabs joining me. How are you doing, Shabs? B2B, B2B, Kuna. That's my mood. That's my mood. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm still jubilated. Yeah, the, the mood and spirits are high. And we've got a very special guest on, um, friend of the podcast, um, I'm a very big fan of all the content that um, he puts out and have been for a number of years. I remember um, when I was at uni every single day loading up um, the, the, the daily um, articles that you put out. So I'm very glad to uh, have you on the pod again. Uh, Pedro, a.k.a. LeGrove, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I love the work that you guys do. It's, uh, it's brilliant stuff, thought-provoking. Um, really glad to be on the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And before we get into it, just some minor housekeeping. Um, guys, make sure um, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, listening on Spotify, you leave a like, you leave a five star review, you leave um, some comments and let everyone know and share that with your friends. Let everyone know that um, Touchy Gunas and the Touchline Fracas guys are where you where to get your football content other than um, obviously Le Grove and, and the great content that he puts out. Um, as well. And we have another match this uh, Sunday 
for the touchline fives, right? So Touchy Gunas currently top of the league, unbeaten, um, going for an invincible season. So, you know, if you do want to come down and play alongside us, represent Touchy Gunas, make sure you drop us a DM um, either to the Touchy Gunas or the Touchline Fracas account. And maybe, you know, you might just pick up a golden trophy at the end of the season. But let's get into it, man. Let's talk some football. This has been a great, great week for Arsenal. Um, Spurs, obviously, dropping some points um, in the top four race against uh, Brentford. Beat Chelsea um, away at Stamford Bridge. Um, and then, you know, it was, uh, uh, in the end, uh, a comfortable victory against Man United, beating them 3-1 and essentially knocking them out of the top four race. So, you know, Pete, um, I'll start with you. Um, and it'll be good just to hear your general thoughts on this week, the two matches that we've played and how that's left you, you know, sort of feeling um, coming into these final uh, five, games of the se- five games of the season. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm over the moon. I'm over the moon. I, I think that the reaction to the three games that we lost was maybe a little bit too extreme. And I think people um, people watch those games through um, an emotional lens because we're all fans. But we were really unlucky in those three games and we weren't playing particularly poorly. You know, there was a lot of bad luck, but XG played that out. Um, but I wasn't expecting to beat Chelsea. I thought we might get a point. I wasn't expecting to beat United. I thought maybe we'll get away with a point and sort of be hovering around um, Spurs heading into that final game. But to to play the way that we did against Chelsea was just exceptional. Um, I don't think enough is made of the fact that, you know, we're missing both of our fullbacks, missing our best central midfielder. Uh, we, we rolled with Eddie. who And, I, you know, I've been a big fan of Eddie and, and having him in the side for a long time. But like, let's not pretend that that was expected, that he was going to come out and do that. Um, so we beat Chelsea and then we go into that United game. And I actually felt the United game was a massive banana skin opportunity. Everybody says they're terrible, they're terrible. But they've got so much individual talent. Um, and Ronaldo was sensational. Uh, you could see the nerves in the system and we just battled through it. Um, you know, the criticism of Arteta, um, particularly with the three games that we lost, is it's, it's sometimes a bit overly structured it doesn't feel like we really have a fifth gear. We've kind of got like a three and a half gear. If you know what I mean? Like there's a certain way that we play and we stick to it, but it was all guns blazing. It felt like a Man United game of old. And then, um, and then to the, to, to talk about Spurs in the same breath, you know, like so much is being made of the Antonio Conte setup that he's got there. He has been lucky this season. Their third best, uh, their third top goal scorer is own goal. The, the football has been absolutely dreadful all season. But when you, you expect Conte to come out the blocks and really put in a run, he registers zero shots on target against Brentford and Brighton. And what does that tell you? The Premier League is really, really, really difficult. And what Arsenal are doing at the moment is absolutely phenomenal with, uh, with a team that young. So I'm over the moon. We've still got five games to go. There are still going to be twists and turns. But like, my God, does it feel good to be competing at this stage of the season, even if it isn't for a, a proper trophy? You know, it's um sign of the times. Yeah, yeah. Um, some really, really good points that you made there, man. Um, and I think it's it's very important to note that um that Conte point as well is that you know, Spurs, they have essentially two main weapons, you know, maybe 2.5 if you want to add Kulusevsky into there, because he's he's done all right since he's come in, in January, but what I've liked about the past two Spurs games is that, you know, they've respected 
those weapons um, and basically said, you know, we're not going to allow Harry Kane the time and space to turn and pick passes and play it um, in behind. We're actually going to have a game plan set up um, to prevent, you know, your main weapons working. And it seems, you know, for the past couple of games at least, that Conte hasn't really um, had an answer to that. So I think that would definitely be what, an interesting one to watch in these final five games to see how some of these teams set up against them. Because, you know, um, I think in 2022, I've been really disappointed with the, the game plans that, that that teams have rolled up to Spurs um, with, you know, um, Newcastle, um, when they, you know, open, open the backsides um, and concede five in the second half. Um, Aston Villa concede four in the second half. And it, it seems clear to me that stop Harry Kane, um, and you stop Spurs. And I just hope that more teams um, take note of that. And, you know, maybe, fingers crossed, that that race for top four might be over before um, we even get to play them. I'd love it That's if we dream. only needed a draw or something like that from, from that game. But, you know, um, Shabs, what's your thoughts, man? You said you're, you're, you're feeling jubilant, you know, so, so let, let's, let's hear that in some words. Yeah, well, yeah, for, I mean... We can go back about a month, maybe six weeks ago now, where we've done some uh, predictions and forecasts. I was told I was overly positive, you know, talking about 75 hours. I, and I was, I was, you know, I was kind of going through game by game. And, you know, people don't see or hear the breakdown. People only see the, the screenshot of what we projected. But from the, uh, I was actually negative about the two games. And I felt that United would somehow just be lucky. I didn't, I didn't think they'd outplay us. I don't, I don't think they're a particularly good side at the moment. But I thought, um, you know, Ronaldo would be a factor in the game, or more of a factor than 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 he is. Um, and I think, you know, he was he he was um, you know a, a bright spark for them definitely in the first half. I think, and I think we respected him a lot. But I think for the Chelsea game, I felt that we could pick up a point away. So, you know, we actually exceeded my expectations. We got um, six from six points rather than the one that I projected. And yeah, I'm up. I'm up. And yeah, that mood has carried all from last week um, to now. Um, Pedro, I think you made a fantastic point, actually. And I think this hasn't been emphasised enough, actually, because as well as we played, as much as we won, we've done it with key players missing. Um, you know, I think if we're talking about um, Tommy Asu, and it's great that he came back into the side, but really we've, we've, we've done a lot of this without Tommy Asu. We know how sturdy he's been. He has a lot of solidity to our back line. Um, he's been reliable and quite consistent throughout the season. Um, Tierney, we know how important Tierney is to us. If, 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 if nothing, and I don't think Tierney's been at his best this season either. So, um, I think we've seen Tierney play a lot better. But I think you look at the golfing quality between him and um, Tavares. And I say we're quite lucky in terms of the performance of Tavares and Cedric, especially against United, more so against United than the Chelsea game. Um, because I think Tavares, I'm a, I'm a cool customer. I don't really get nervous watching us. I think, you know, I'll kind of get behind us. But that game was a tense game. And I think Tavares definitely contributed to tense moments in that game. And in different circumstances, but I don't think we would have been as fortunate. You know, I think it, at times it actively looked like he was playing against us. So, you know, I think we've, we, we, we've got the wins over those sides um, without those guys. We've also done it without Partey. 
in the middle. And I think part for the most part of this season, when we have been good and when we've looked sturdy in the middle of the park, both um, in terms of defensive cover, but also a base from which to build from in the middle of the park. Um, Partey and Shaka, I'm going to give Shaka some flowers, but Partey and Shaka have been at the centre of that. And um, we didn't miss him, basically, in those games. And so, yeah, I think that's a really important point that you made. And I, I agree, it's not a point that I've touched on in anything that I've said um, post-win. I've just been gloating. But yeah, that was really um, impressive. I do feel that we respected Ronaldo a great deal especially in the first half. I feel that, you know, there was a moment in the first half where it was Gabriel and Ronaldo. It looked like, you know, there was a bit of a 50-50, which I, I think Gab maybe could have gone in for. Um, they kind of pulled out, slowed down, allowed Ronaldo to get to the ball and just kind of carried it past him. I think there was just a lot of respect there. Um, and it bothered me. A little bit. I thought actually we needed. I, I I came on and said we needed to respect the game. We needed to respect the opponents, but not too much. But I think it wasn't a factor in the end. And yeah, I think there were notable performances from loads of our our players. They stood up. They made sure that they were counted. I think that Saka was phenomenal again. I think Erdegaard was phenomenal. Like just you know, absolutely sensational in terms of the spaces that he was picking up and the passes that he was um, was making. In both games, I thought it was an outlet in the game against Chelsea, but especially in the United game. Like, you know, whenever we were under pressure or trying to build or play out from the back, um, he was finding these um, spaces in the middle third, out of the cover shadow, and he was just open and available to receive the pass. And he knew what he wanted to do when we got it. And it was always progressive and it was always forward. And it, it was brilliant. And I think, you know, that helped us out in a big way as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Shabs. Thank you, Shabs. And um, something that wasn't really on the agenda, but it's just popped into my head based on a couple of things that you've um, said there is, you know, the fullback positions, right? So um, I do want to talk about some individual performances in this uh, Manchester um, United game. And um, so I, I, the first time I was at the ground, um, I, I actually I linked up with um, one of our long-time listeners, Harry, um, to have a couple of pre-match uh, gin and slimline tonics, um, you know, watching watching the weight, um, and and so uh, and then a couple of couple of drink more drinks at the ground, and so my nerves were shot watching this match, right? And I felt very very nervous the whole way through. It felt that you know every time United went forward, they were going to score, etc. Um, and I didn't think that we were um, that comfortable. But you know, uh, next day Sunday afternoon, I watched their game again knowing the result, without the emotion. Um, and I actually thought we looked much, much better on the rewatch. Um, uh, I think in the first half, um, we played some really, really good football. And obviously there's that clip of, you know, 32 passes or something that went round before we scored. Um, well, we won the penalty for um, our um, second goal. And the only thing in that first half, I actually thought Tavares was um, okay in that first half. Um, but it was mainly Cedric for me that was, you know, the big sort of nervous wreck um, playing right back. I think he put Ramsdale under pressure a couple of times, lost the ball trying to pass it up the line. Um, and then uh, basically the first uh, and then in the second half, the first 10 minutes, United couldn't touch the ball. Um, and then they get a corner and then Tavares gives away that um, penalty. And then from that, for, then from 55 minutes until Xhaka's goal, 
Tavares was a nervous wreck then, um, and he couldn't keep the ball, kept losing it, this, that, and the other, and people were talking about hooking him, this, that, and the other. Um, but then after we scored, he then settled down again. I think he brought, we brought Martinelli on just before the goal, and that helped out on this side. So, you know, one question um, that I have for the pair of you is, um, so Tommy Asu came back, came back, hopefully, you know, he, he played, what, 10 minutes, I think, um, and hopefully he's fit enough to now start our next game with another week's, week's training under his belt. Um, what would you guys do at fullback? Would you just play Tomiyasu and then keep Tavares at left back? Or would you consider putting Cedric on that left side? Because um, I know what, what I would do, but um, uh, which which I think is to play Tavares. Um, but I think it'd be interesting to hear um, your takes on that. And I'll start with you, uh, Pedro. Um, I, I'm in agreement with you, Dan, on Cedric in the first half, he was getting roasted by Sancho. He couldn't hack the pace. He lost his confidence. He stopped playing vertically. And um, the you know that that penalty shout. I don't I don't know how the rules say that you can fall down and swipe the ball with your hand, and that's using your hand to support your body. It's an in, insane rule, but we got away with it. Um, I think for the I think for the West Ham game, you've got to stick you've got to stick with Nuno. Um, I, I don't think Cedric is that much better, even even a even a right back. He's still, you know, I know he's he's, he's a bit more seasoned, but I, I, West Ham are not coming to play mm. at the weekend. And I think some of the chaos that Nuno brings to the attack um, could be really beneficial. And maybe after the United game, Tavares would have learned a little bit, keep those shots down, um, can't like you know t- take a beat before you you pick out a final pass like he's got some real tools in his arsenal i mean if you could sort of constrain the you know like you know people with adhd see the world a little bit faster and that's that's tavares <laughs> you know he gets so excited he forgets what you know what's going on with the ball but if he just took a beat there were some real good moments you know you watch the game i didn't watch the game back but you like he got into some really really good positions yeah. just with a little bit of calmness. Um, he could he could be quite a producer of uh, end product, I think. Mm. But yeah. I, I think he always does. I think he always does get into promising positions, and he gets quite high up the pitch, and he gets further forward. It is it's it's his use of the ball and the, the decisions that he, he he makes when he is in those positions, and that's that's the kind of thing for me. And I. And I and I think you have to kind of accept both parts of him because, you know, if he's not daring and if he's not adventurous, then we don't get that first goal. You know, yeah. in my view, he, he never ventures that further foot. You know, he can't get the back stick to knocking a rebound from a sack of shot, you know, in an open tape situation. And, you know, I, 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 as much as I love Tierney and I think, yeah, definitely is our first choice left back and so he should be. I don't see Tierney. And Tierney has got some goals for us and scored some good goals, but I can't see a situation where Tierney will be in that position ready mm. to kind of slap it in at the back yeah. stick. So and, I accept it. Yeah, and I think I think I think um it's a really good point around um, you know, sort of his natural attributes and the things that he is good at. Um because you know we we love an FB ref um bar chart on this on this podcast, right? And and if you see the things that Tavares is good at, he is actually, he's really, really good at, you know, we're talking 90th percentiles for progressive carries and dribbles and, you know, XG and expected assists and all this stuff, which, um, you know, is what you associate with a top modern fullback. Um, and I think if you're comparing the two of them, so Tavares versus Cedric, um, you actually back Tavares more to win his duels because of, you know, his height, um, his physical qualities, 
Um, and, you know, Ilanga is a very, very quick player, you know, very, very quick player. And I think you, if we're looking at what Sancho was doing to Cedric um, in that game, I struggle to think at what, you know, Ilanga would have done to, to Cedric on that side if he had the same opportunities to um, to run him behind. So, you know, and I think what, another factor that we have to take into consideration is that Tavares has never really played a full season starting as a left-back, you know. So a lot of these things um, that are to do with composure, you'd expect him to calm down the more he plays and the, the more first-team football that he plays. Because I think he actually had our best chance of the second half um, where he gets it high up, cuts inside, um, and then, you know, right foot blazed it into row Z, right? But, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if he gets into that situation again um, in the next match, who knows? You know, maybe that's a bit... He, he, he does have a bit more composure there, can pick a corner because, you know, he is, he is quite good off um, either foot. So, you know, we've invested in him and he was brought in to be the backup left-back for Tierney. And I think we, we need to persist with him being... Um, the backup left back for for Tierney and, and and keep it there, but I just thought it was a point of um, discussion, you know, because they were sort of I think the two major question marks um, in this game um, against United. So so that's that. But Shabs, you mentioned um, Saka, right? So you know um, I, I posted a stat in the WhatsApp group today that says you know the most shots uh, from open play in the Premier League, Saka's number two. Um, in the Premier League, just behind um, Mo Salah, ahead of Ronaldo, ahead of Mane, ahead of Jota, and all these other guys who are, you know, way, way up there um, in in um, uh, in in terms of goals and, and numbers. Right? Um, we've seen it uh, in the past two games. He's won two penalties, and and, and he, he grabbed the ball for both the penalties. You see McTominay trying to put him off, uh, slapping the ball out of his hands, um, and all of this. And you know, I went on the main pod and I said that. You know, I can see a real mentality shift in this guy that he wants to be the main man, right? So, uh, Pete, you mentioned as well in some in these three games that we we lost. Um, I think especially the Southampton game, you could see that this guy um, he wanted to score. He was taking all the shots, doing all of the the crosses. Um, I remember against Wolves when we came back, the equalising, uh, well, the, the winning goal that we score is from a drive and run from Saka cuts inside onto his right foot, takes a shot and is, is parried out wide. And then, you know, the rest is history. And it seems to me that this guy, he really, really, really wants to be the main man um, for Arsenal. And that's why I think he's going to, he's going straight to the top. I think his mentality is just so, um, is so elite that he wants the responsibility, you know, and I think it's the example is there in, in, in the penalties. Uh, the manager said it, Martinelli was supposed to take it, but he said, no, boom. Um, you know, we're at we're at Stamford Bridge. This is my chance to redeem myself from my penalty miss before, and I'm going to put us four two up. Um, and he went and and did it. So, you know, Pete, how just how high is this guy's ceiling? How impressed are you um, with with Saka right now? I'm I'm blown I'm blown away. I'm blown away by that statistic as well. Second most shots in the Premier League. I mean, that's incredible. We haven't had. Um... I mean, I, I actually, I, I'm just guessing if I if I go back to last time we've had that in the Premier League, but. Um... The the shot the shots for the whole team have gone up. You remember when Arteta first came in, we were averaging nine shots per game. Um, this season, we're averaging fifteen point five shots per game. Uh, that's the third highest in the Premier League. Five shots on target per game. That's uh, joint fourth in the Premier League. So whilst we, we might not be creating big chances, uh, we've got Saka, uh, who's in the top five for chances created. 
second for shots taken. 20 years old. 20 years old. Uh, I think I, I think uh, Salah was still in Egypt uh, when he was 20 years old, just about to go to Switzerland. Mm. I think Mane uh, had played 22 games in um, in France. And Saka's in the, the the most competitive league in the world doing this. Mm. Like, but he 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 has most Salah levels. Let's not kid ourselves. He can go right away to the top. Um, I think he's got the right coach to help develop him. Like, I'm so excited. But to your points, Chef, um, the thing that I love about it, it's the leadership. It's the leadership. He 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 he's always he's never looked soft, but he's always looked to look. He's, he's a humble guy, right? He's very humble. He's uh, you know God fearing. Humble player. Now he's stepping up and he's a man and uh, he's not being bullied. And it's just so exciting to watch. And then and then you think, you know, he, we've got other players that are doing that. And they're all kids. The average age of the Manchester City squad is 27. And he's 20. He's got seven seasons to get to peak level of Manchester City. I just can't imagine where he's going to take his game. And he's so focused, never gets in any trouble. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it at the moment. And I think he's got um, more goals and assists than Mane this season. Um, maybe maybe more goals and assists than Kevin De Bruyne. Mm. Like, he's, he's delivering Ooh, the numbers. Delicious. Delivering delicious. the numbers. And, and here's the thing. He doesn't have a striker in the team at the moment. Yeah. He doesn't even have a striker to aim for. Imagine what's going to happen when you put... Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a Jesus, but you put a tall striker in there that he can aim for, an Oshman or whoever comes in. I mean, like, we we really are going to be a top four uh, team next year if we get those um, vital positions secured in the summer. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Shabs, Shabs, anything you want to yeah. add on, 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 the, on the young man? Of course, I cannot not. You know, this is my favorite. This is, you know, this is God's child. You know, this is, this is, this is my, this is my boy. This is the star boy. But, um, yeah, I think there are. We we know what happened last summer. You know, we know what he was unsubjected to um, unreasonably. You know, on social media and the reaction. We know how the club welcomed him back with open arms. Um, there's a bit of criticism as well at the start of the season that he started slow, blah blah blah, all of this stuff. We know how he's bounced back. We know how he's bounced back from all of that. Yeah, um, we've seen it. We've seen pivotal moments throughout this season where we've seen his character. You know, and we're seeing it more and more lately. Um, you've referenced the, the, the drive in the Wolves game. Um, Pedro, you've referenced some bits and pieces. You've referenced, you know, his mentality on the pitch and that, you know, he's not going to get bullied. Um, we've seen a Villa game. Yeah, where I think it was the Villa game where he was getting kicked all over the place. Yeah, what they were doing was assaulting him. And he had to have words with the ref at half time and say, oh, ref, mate, you need to protect me. Yeah. That's a leader right there. That's a man saying, listen, right? you see what's going on there. Sort this out. Yeah, He's got that mindset now where he's starting to say, yo, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm a footballer and I'm here and I'm, you know, look after me. Don't, don't, mm. don't, don't let this stuff run. You've got to have that to your game as well. We saw with the penalty, you know, and you've already referenced it. Um, you know, Martinelli, that was the first one against Chelsea. We saw the penalty again. The manner in which he took both penalties, but you saw some shit hazardry from Dominic slapping the ball out of his hand. Didn't rise to it. Yeah, he laughed it off. Cool as a cucumber. And what I liked as well, there was a lot of delay in between um, the, the foul being committed and the kicks being taken in both instances. Lots of furore 
and he just kept his composure both times and he slotted it one time and he slotted it again the other time. We saw him square up to Ronaldo, not square up to Ronaldo like chest to chest, but, you know, we saw moments where they're going up against each other and going into duels against each other and he's coming out on top. This is Ronaldo, you know, um, peak athlete. Yeah, I see the one on the touchline where um, the ball come up over and it was him, Ronaldo and someone else. Um, and he kind of controlled it with the outside of his foot, brought it back in, went shoulder to shoulder with um, Ronaldo. I'm sure it was Ronaldo who kind of bounced off the pitch and um, he carried the ball inside, got his head up, played it. I'm like, this is beautiful. This is delicious. You know, for a little clip, you cut that up and you put that out there. Um, no surprise. It, no, it is a surprise to me. I'm keeping it real. It is a surprise to me that he's getting his shots off, um, that he's getting the most shots off. Um, that tells you, again, about how he's being coached. That tells you about how he's seen himself. That tells you about how he's recognising his role. Um, and I said this as well. I used to say this last season. I said this many times this season. I felt like he, and Smith Rowe a little bit, but I think it's clear he's, he's a bit further forward than, um, than Smith Rowe. In my view, I felt like he was still playing with a handbrake on at times and there was a bit of a restriction. And now I think that handbrake is, is off. And I feel like, you know, he's unlocked it and he's realised in his head he's a leader in this team. Forget his age. And he's a leader out there on the pitch. And I think he's just playing like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so delighted for the boy. I'm so delighted for him. You know, we have naysayers about Saka all the time. And he just comes out most weeks, regardless of what the team's results are, he comes out most weeks and performs. And I absolutely love him for that, honestly. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Shabs. Thank you, Shabs. And I guess an, another player um, who uh, is 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 right up there in terms of his statistics um, recently. So, you know, Pete, you mentioned um, Saka is, is top five for shot creating actions. And, and another guy who's who's right up there with him, I think, in the top seven um, is Martin Odegaard. Um, with, and he, I think, is second in the league for chances created this season overall. Um, joint with with Saka. Um, so he's having a stellar season, had a great game against Man United, created um, probably our best chance of the whole match um, with, a, you know, a nice little flicked pass uh, through through the Man United defence into uh, Eddie Nketiah's path and, you know, he forced a, forced a save from De Gea. So, you know, um, I think Erdegaard did an interview this week where he was talking about, you know, potentially being the captain um, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and it seems that those two have got a, a fantastic relationship, you know. They they seem to be, um, you know, loving playing playing together. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, um, they're doing all of this without a striker, you know. So um, it seems to me that you know the crop of young players that we have right now, um, they're they're doing the business, um, and it's about you know finding the next piece um, that can you know send them up even even further. So, you know, what, what's your thoughts on, on Martin Odegaard's performance, um, both in that United game and then uh, across the season more, more generally? Uh, I, I love, I love Martin Odegaard. I think he was, uh, I think he was a, a genius signing last January. I think that maybe Arsenal got a little bit lucky in the sense that I think we went quite hard for Buendia and uh, Buendia was uh, uh, eventually um, attracted to Aston Villa because um uh, Emmy Martinez told him that Arsenal wasn't the place to go. <laughs> so uh, ni nice one, uh, Emmy Martinez, because we ended up getting the, the the player with the highest ceiling, the player that's a better leader. 
Uh, and the player, you know, he, he's a player that fans of other clubs are looking at now jealous. They're mm. absolutely jealous because um, he's he's hitting the heights that made Madrid sign him at 15 years old. And what, what I love about him, the, the best the best young players to get are those that have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Um, and not making it at Madrid is a, is a bit of a humiliation. You know, you, you say goodbye to your family, you fly down to Spain, you're training with Cristiano Ronaldo, Carlo Ancelotti doesn't like you, uh, Zidane doesn't like you, you get sent out on, on you know, a couple of loans to Hiranveen and um, Sociedad. And then he gets the he gets he gets the love at Arsenal. Arteta recognizes the potential, and he's just owned it this season. I mean, you know, he had a he had a rough first couple of months where he was trying to figure himself out a little bit, but since then, I mean, nobody's talking about the lack of pace anymore. He works harder than almost anyone in the team, and he's got those genius levels of vision. And I think we've seen a few passes that haven't ended in assists, um, so that that you can see where this is going. And mm-hmm. again, we've got to remember, Martin Erdegaard is playing without a striker. When you put a striker that can run the lines, uh, when you put a striker in the system that can uh, attack the near post with his head, um, I think you're going to see a lot more assists from him uh, next season. And again, I, I think he's he's the sort of player that just wants to uh, focus on his football, learn and get better and better. I mean, I don't know whether you saw the interview with him the other day, but he's like, there are, there are too many individual things uh, that I'm working on to elevate my game. Too many little details that I can't talk about right now. But, um, you know, he wants to be seen in the same light as Erling Haaland. Um, so I, I've been really impressed with him. And the way that he led in the Chelsea and the United game was uh, spectacular for me. Like having so many leaders in the side now um, compared to what we've been looking at for the last five years is just magic. And again, he's 23 years old. It's uh, it's four years until he gets to the the magic age of 27 where he's hitting peak. So, um, a brilliant signing. Thirty-five million was bargain of the season for me. Mm. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic stuff. Um, and chaps, um, anything, anything else? I'll, I'll ask you to be brief because um, we've got lots, not, lots more to be, dis- lots more to be discussed. Yeah, no, not that much. It's just a passing. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree entirely with, um, with with Pedro, and you know, the passes that don't come off but you see the intention you recognize the intention and the ambition there and it's you know he's making passes that you think are actually going to be too difficult to execute has he done that there has he pulled it off but he he just does it and it was it like that the back hill for i can't remember whether it was i think it was the one that eddie put straight at um Diego, but there was that pass which was just yeah, it was just coming to him and he's just played it and runs run through and I think it was for that, but um, just on the edge of the box. But yeah, no, I I, I agree really. I'm not going to say more than more than that. I just think yeah, he's we're we're, we're seeing the player and we have done for a little bit now that we hoped we would get in in Erdegaard and definitely there's a lot more to come from him. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and I think. Um, this this sort of the, these last couple of games um, we've had sort of I think two unsung heroes I think historically is, is the way of describing them um, that, that's accurate uh, that are playing in the middle of our midfield right um, El Neni so funny uh, I think on the the day before the Chelsea match um, I put out a tweet that says uh, no it was it was on the weekend actually because it was in relation to Spurs' match against Brighton where I saw Bisuma. 
um, pinch the ball from from someone in midfield and then flip flap his way past uh, Harry Kane and another midfielder. And I tweeted, yeah, I've just seen Basuma do something crazy uh, in the centre mid. And the guy that sits behind me at the Emirates has been calling for El Nenny to start um, all year. Uh, Jesus wept, right, or something like that. And you know, got 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 all the likes in the world. And and then El Nenny steps up for Stamford Bridge um, and Manchester United at home and puts in two absolute classic monster classes for me. He was very very good against um, Chelsea and then doubled down on it with a quality performance again against Man United. So he's got me um, eating my words. And then the guy next to him um, in Granite Xhaka. Um, put in probably one of the best performances I've seen from him in an Arsenal shirt at Stamford Bridge. Um, he was everywhere in midfield, um, capped off by, you know, nutmegging uh, Marcus Alonso uh, to put us on on uh, in, in on goal to score our second goal there. And then pops up with yet another long shot against Man United to really just calm the game down and, and pretty much win us that match against United um, on the weekend, you know, and, and, and I've been very critical of him um in 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 years gone by but i think this season he's really really stepped up into that um leadership role and it's not more um evident than in these last two games where we're on the back of three defeats we need a result uh top four is 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 slowly slipping through our fingers and he steps up as shav's mentioned in the absence of Partey as well um to really be a leader for us um on the pitch so you know the pair of them i think they're both up for april um uh, player of the month um, this 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 year. So um, this month, sorry. Um, and so, you know, I just think we need to give them some praise because these past two games, I think they've really stepped up to be sort of the senior players um, in that in that team. So, you know, Pete, what what are your thoughts on on the pair of them together? So I got I got a few thoughts on um, Jack or Elneny, but the first ones on um, is is about Mikel Arteta. I think the if there is a major criticism of him this season, it's that uh, he's maybe so wrapped up in performance that he's forgot that he's got a whole squad. And when I see Mo Elneny deliver a monster class like he did, all I'm thinking is, why couldn't we have rotated him into a few more games? Why couldn't Mo Elneny play against Crystal Palace after Thomas Partey's come back from putting his his his, his home country into the World Cup? Um but but then on the you know we can talk about squad rotation later you know we're getting through it. The second part is the fact that Mo Elneny will come into the team and he will he will bleed for the club, um, despite not playing since December. Tells you about the culture going on behind the scenes. I think when that consultancy came out, you know the story about the consultancy going in to help Arsenal's corporate culture. Everyone thought it was because we lost three games in a row. That, that that consultancy will be learning from Arteta because it, it, we just we've just seen two games where after losing three on the bounce, those players could have given up, and he's brought in subs and they've they've put in absolute ten out of tens. And um, Mo Oneni does a good job. At, um, he runs for the full ninety. He doesn't stop. He can execute a very clear tactical plan. And what I loved about both performances is I don't I don't know whether you noticed. There's a lot more verticality in his game all of a sudden. He wasn't mm. playing vertical passes um, two seasons ago, so he actually looked like a better midfielder overall. But um, I loved, I loved that performance. And then on the um, on the granite Jacker with the, the leadership thing, I think the reality is he's always been that leader. I just don't think the fans have ever given you know truly appreciated him. And Arteta has done quite a good PR job 
he loves Granite Xhaka. I think I think they call them a, they call them servers uh, in football. Um, the guys that serve the ball between the lines, and Granite Xhaka does that better than anybody at the club. And you know, I think he's one of the top players in the league for doing that. And we don't really give him credit because it's not spectacular. But he's a really brave player, and he never goes hiding. He's got some dark arts about him. You know, you see him falling on the ball. Um, that's something Sammy Laconga doesn't do when he's under pressure that he should. Um, but I, I'm glad that he's getting the credit that he deserves because we needed him to step up. Um, and he put in two incredible games, didn't put a foot wrong. I think he had 96% pass completion um, against Manchester United. Um, I think Momo Nini was 88% pass completion rate, which is incredible considering the rustiness. But um, it's great to have a squad that you can rely on. And what's better is none of us believed it. I didn't mm-hmm. believe that we could have um, Tavares and Cedric with Elneny and Jacker in midfield and, and breeze past Chelsea and Man United. So, um, some, you know, there's lots to learn out of that. And I think that will be Arteta's big takeaway from the end of the season. You've got to trust players because um, if, you have a, if you have a squad, you might have to lean into them at some point. So we've gotten away with it on that front. But, I, you know, I love the performance of both of them. And hopefully that pairing can see us through to the end of the season. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Shabs, anything that you want to add add to that on Jacka and Elneny? Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely on the on the point about credit. I think they're, they're, they're due an enormous bit of credit, both of them, really. Uh, on the point about Arteta not utilising the squad again, I agree. I think, you know, we've, 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 we've said it, it's in the instance of Elneny, it's been in the instance of other players such as um, Tavares, such as Eddie. Katie and I think now we've you know Pepe and I think now we've had to really rely on them um, especially down this stretch and um, I think although we're impressed with the performances arguably we could have seen this sooner or we could have seen better from them had they been um, integrated better and managed better Um, and I do think it's something that has taken Arteta longer to learn and to kind of get around and I am Still questioning what that's about, why that is. Um, I am going to go the other way, though, and say as much as I am happy with the performances and as grateful as I am to them for the way that, that for the shifts that they have put in, as hopeful as I am that they can help us see this through to the end of the season, I do think we need greater quality in the middle of the park, um, honestly speaking. And, you know, I think Elneny's been at the club for a long time. I think it's fantastic to him that he has been able to, to, to come in having not been used often and give us this. But um, I want better option in terms of the quality. And I want it for us and for him as well. Um, and I think with, with with Shaka as well, yeah, I think Shaka is um, understated. And I think we've been guilty of giving him a hard time at times as well. Um, but yeah, I still think there are options out there which would and could make our midfield um, stronger. And now's not the time to go into all of that, really. Now's just the time for me to be grateful and appreciative. But yeah, I think he, he Shaka definitely is an unsung hero from mm. from from this season. And um he's registered goals against United in the past and you know I think we shouldn't really have been you know, I spoke about one spectacular goal that he's called at the Emirates against United a couple of seasons ago. Um, yeah, you know, and that one confused the head out of um, the girl. And, um, you know, 
we saw him again, true to his form, and um, he popped up with a goal, and that just really, really there, there was such an importance in that goal. Actually, mm. such an importance in that goal for Cena, uh, and I think you know that will be pivotal, um, not just for us as a team, but for him as well throughout the closing out of this season. So mm. yeah, I'm 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 really happy with it, and I'm happy for him, and I'm happy for them both. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks both. Um, and you know, the final um, individual performance that I wanted to touch on briefly, just because you know, I think there's been quite a bit of discussion um, about this player on the TL. So um, Eddie and Ketia, right? So um, we put out uh, a tweet that showcased um, his, uh, I guess, senior football statistics, uh, which basically has him scoring um, a goal pretty much every. Um, 160 minutes, 157 minutes, I think it was, um, in men's football, right? So that's not, you know, that many um, starts or games in the Premier League, but it's 50, 54 appearances in the Premier League, but only 14 starts um, of those 54. Um, and then, you know, the majority of his other um, games and starts have come in the Cups, in the Championship, um, that kind of thing. Um, and I think in these last, so he started the last three games, um, on the spin, he scored two at Stamford Bridge. I thought he was unlucky not to leave a goal um, against Man United. Um, I think his movement, um, his ability to press, caused the centre-backs lots of issues um, throughout his game. And his link-up was very good um, in, in, in both games um, as well. Um, and, and there are a few uh, listeners' questions around this. So I'll, I'll, point, I'll pose these questions um, towards you guys. So... Um, First question is from uh, Naldo, uh 09 <laughs> and he says, um, does Nketiah deserve a chance to take over from Lacazette instead of Arsenal signing um, a new striker? So, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on firstly, um, you know, on, on Nketiah's performances uh, so far in his last three starts and then um, answering that question, should, should we give him a chance um, instead of signing a new striker. Um, start with you, Pete. I saw the uh, I saw your Eddie and Ketia propaganda. I loved it. Um, <laughs> there's there's a real um, there's a there's a weird part of our fan base. People people don't want him to be good. People don't want to accept. Um, you know, I had it on my own podcast. Um, Johnny Cochran called him League One Eddie, and like I you know I speak to people in and around Arsenal, uh, and the view has never been that he is anything other than a Premier League uh, striker. The view is that if he goes, we are going to regret it because in a couple of seasons, that's a that's a guy that will get 20 goals um, a season in the Premier League. And, it, it, you know, we, we always forget that... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. They're people like us. I mean, you two, you know, you two play football yourselves. If you don't play for six months and then you get given three minutes in a Sunday league game, you're not going to be at your best. 
Mm-hmm. And Eddie and Ketia should have, when we knew that it was um, Lacazette and Eddie, he should have been given a five-game run straight away, mm-hmm. get some minutes into the system. And I tell you, if we'd given him um, a five-game run in January, we wouldn't be talking about our lack of goals um, mm-hmm. from a striker. We wouldn't be talking about a striker that didn't shoot. And he's come into the system. Um, he's an athlete. You know, he's fast. He's strong. He showed us that in preseason. He was our best striker in preseason. We forget that. Um but he's taken his chances as well. And there's no bigger stage than Stanford Bridge away. And I'm I'm so happy for him. And I thought he was brilliant against um, Manchester United. Got into some good positions. Ran the lines well. Starting to look a little bit more um, confident. I, I wonder whether part of the issue that some people have is he's quite expressionless. And, um, you know, we love passion. And, you know, that's not, that's not Eddie on the pitch. But he's a bit of a silent assassin. And I think, I think Eddie's got to think about his future. There's no club in the Premier League where he's going to walk into a starting eleven. He's wherever he goes to Crystal Palace, he's competing against two other, two, two, three other strikers. Um, you know, only club that he might get a, a starting berth is Brighton. But I don't know whether I, I, like, do, do you want to do that or do you want to be mm. um, competing with another striker at Arsenal in the Champions League next year, where you'll definitely get more games. I think he's got high potential, and I think if Arsenal went out in January and signed uh, the record-breaking England under twenty-one goal scorer. We'd all be pretty happy about that. And at the moment, you've got a whole group of Arsenal fans saying, yeah, just let him go on a free. He's not good enough. Go, mm-hmm. he, he, he could be good enough. He's got a very high ceiling. Um, and I, I think if we don't keep him, I think we're going to regret it. And I, I just hope that uh, he can do something against West Ham. You know, if he, if he exits this season with, uh, you know, five or six more goals, I think he's got a difficult decision on his hands because I know that the club want to keep him. Arteta are obviously coming out and, you know, Mea culpa, uh this is a massive fuck up from me. Um, so hopefully, um, hopefully he continues to prove his work. But I'm really, really impressed with him. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he's given the chance to show Arsenal fans that they've been really wrong on him. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a really important point that you make there. Um, just about, I guess, the platform that he's had to, to perform, um, perform to date, you know. And I think the most disappointing thing about this for me is that, you know, not, not necessarily that he's leaving because, you know, players leave. Um, but, as a club, you have to also think about, you know, how, this isn't the best thing for Arsenal either, right? Him leaving for a free. If he goes to, you know, a German team that we know there are lots of them um, interested in him. I think uh, Gladbach had a bid rejected um, for him just in January. Um, we're going to get pretty much next to nothing um, in terms of compensation. I think in England you get, um, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, um, compensatory fee, uh, for you know training them up, etc. But I think the maximum that's ever been given um, is eight million, uh, eight million pounds, which is basically peanuts. And then you don't get that opportunity to insert insert a sell on. You don't get a buyback clause uh, with any of that stuff um, to make it easier to return to the club um, if he does become successful. So you know, I think the way that we've necessarily handled this uh, Eddie situation is is not the best. Um, and I think you know. Um, what do we lose uh, for, for, for from him staying? You know, if you go out and you sign a top striker and Eddie is a number two, even if he's not quite at the level, you can then still sell him for a fee, you know? Um, and, and I think it, it's, it's, it's a real shame that he's not necessarily uh, be given the opportunity to play five games in a row, maybe not even, not even at Arsenal, but just on loan somewhere. Um, and we really could have put that to the test because I think right now the disappointing thing for me is that we actually don't know how good um, or bad Eddie and Ketia is because 
he's not had the starts and he's not had the minutes, um, you know, and I think that's the thing that Arsenal Football Club need to do um, and need to ensure uh, happens in the future is that, you know, when we are making these decisions on on these players, they've been given sufficient um, sufficient minutes so we can actually evaluate, you know, how good they're going to be um, playing against Premier League um, opposition. I think right now it's a big, it's, it's, it's really up in the air, you know, sort of whether or not Eddie is going to be good enough. Because as you say, you know, we've all watched the same guy. Some people have concluded he's not good enough. Some people have concluded he is. But what I would say is if you if you signed it, if you made a new sign-in, most people give them at least to the second season, you know. And Eddie Nketiah, as we've seen, he's a 14 starts in five years um, since signing his professional contract in the, in, 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 in the Premier League. Um, three starts in the in the championship. So, you know, how how can we make a, an assessment on that? And we would never do that for someone that we signed for £50 million, let alone someone uh, who's coming through the through the academy. So, you know, um, that's that's just my opinion. So, yeah, Sheps, um, anything to add? And then uh, we can maybe move on to other picks. Yeah, just that his average goals per minute is the same as Gabriel Jesus. So, you know... Mm. And then, and then, and then uh, you know, I would take if you if you offered me Gab Jesus right now, especially off the back of these performances that he's been putting in, you know, in the last couple of games or whatnot. But even before that, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd snatch your hand off. Absolutely, I'd take him in a heartbeat. But um, I'm just saying, you know, there's a way that we look at one and a way that we look at the other. And I'm not saying they're the same player at all, but. Um, you know, what we look at with Gab is a player who's, you know, being used in a different way, playing outside of what what you might call as his natural position as a centre forward or, you know, um, playing wide for Man City, a dominant side and whatnot. And these are the goals that he's scored and this is the rate at which he's doing that in a very dominant side. And you look at Eddie, who, you know, is being used very sparingly across these five years and you've just run the numbers in terms of how many uh, games, how many starts. And we're saying, actually, given the opportunities, notching at the same rate. So, mm. you know, for a side, for Arsenal side, who have struggled, mm. you know, uh, we're doing well this season. But yeah, we've struggled in, yeah. for the majority of that five-year period. Mm. So, um, yeah, and I, and I really like the point made, um, Pedro, by yourself, when you said if, if we went out and signed England's record under 21 goal scorer, what, what would the fan reaction be? And here we are, we have him. And yeah, there are sections which, you know, are kind of like, no, I'll get rid of him. And that's weird to me. That's weird to me. For a player who's not really had a run of games, um, and this is what he so clearly needed, is a real run of games to really fairly and objectively assess him and his level and his ability. He's not really had that. So... Mm. You know, how can we be so definitive and, you know, uh, convinced about what he is? And I, and I hate player projections as well. And I'm going on a bit of a rant now, but yeah, I hate player projections and putting caps on on, on, on players and this is all he'll ever be. And nah, I, I don't like that kind of stuff. Yeah, mm. Player development is non-linear. So mm. um, I think we will regret him going because I think he has the potential to be, um, you know, a very, very good finisher. 
in football, mm. if, not, if nothing else. And we're starting to see there's more to the game than that. But I think a very, very good finisher, definitely. He's, he's, mm. he's got that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Frankie Shavs, Frankie Pete. Um, and so, you know, um, Pete, now we have you on the pod. Um, I thought it would be a great time to, to pick your brains about um, a couple of players. Um, first one being uh, William Salabar. Uh, Saliba, however you want to say it, um, and so there was a couple of couple of things that came out literally today. Um, one being an exclusive, um, apparently saying that um, William Saliba will be here um, next season. Um, I read it, and um, I don't. I, I wasn't sure if there was any new information in that um, exclusive, but um, it seems that a lot of the, I guess, general talk. Um, well, I guess at the time of the article was that Saliba would be coming back. He wanted to fight for his place um, and the club wanted to um, use him. Um, and then I think a couple of hours later, uh, Saliba's agent came out and said, you know, we still don't know. Um, we still don't know about uh, what Arsenal want to do with him. Uh, nothing's been decided. We're going to go back. We're going to discuss with the club and then make a decision Um from there, so it seems that from Saliba's side, um, it's not quite as uh, definitive. And you know, when when I think Arteta's been speaking about Saliba in a few press conferences um, of late, um, and he has been, I think, probably a lot more um, complimentary um, and a lot more positive about Saliba than he has uh, potentially in previous seasons. So you know, it'll be good to get your thoughts on on that whole situation and whether or not you think he's going to come back and. And, and, and fight for his place um, at Arsenal and whether the club um, are so inclined as to even want him to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about Saliba staying at Arsenal 10 days ago, so I'm not sure mm. how exclusive um, Team Talks is. Le Grove got it first. Um, <laughs> I, so I, uh, I I heard from a, from an Arsenal side source that the intention is to keep Saliba at Arsenal mm. next season. Uh, you never know what can happen in football. You never know who's got fifty million pound to throw at a player that's never played a Premier League minute. But um, Arsenal have a finite amount of money to spend this summer. We're not, you know, we're not old Chelsea when they used to have a sugar daddy. Um, we're not Manchester City. So the idea that we would uh, get rid of Saliba and buy a backup centre back for the Champions League. It doesn't make sense. This this is a guy that's been called up to the France international squad. He's been fit all season. He's got better and better. He's been in God knows how many player of the week um, rosters. And so for, for, uh, Arsenal's intention will be to to keep him. Um, you remember, he's got two years left on his deal. His agent needs to shake down Arsenal and get the best possible amount. I think, I think Saliba earns 40 grand a week at the moment. He'll probably be looking for 80, 90, 100K to stay at Arsenal. That's um, that's good money to invest. You know, if he, if he goes, if he leaves this summer and he goes to Germany or wherever he goes, you know, that, that could be an 80, 90 million pound player in a few years. Arsenal cannot let that happen. From the, um, from the player perspective, there there isn't a better club to be at if you want to play the sort of football that, you know, it's Manchester City light, but without the average age of Manchester City and the overall quality. And, you know, we've seen from Ben White and Gabriel this season, you know, their form has been, you know, very up and down. I think if William Saliba, uh, who is an Arsenal fan, I think if he's looking at this Arsenal backline at the moment, I bet he'll fancy himself. I bet he'll think that he can get in, get in ahead 
of uh, of Ben White this season. He's got the exact same profile as Ben White, but he's a little bit taller. So I think it makes sense for his career to stay at Arsenal. Um, I think it makes sense for Arsenal to keep him, but I think there'll be some back and forth. And remember, every time, you know, Saliba's agent knows every time he says something that feels ambiguous, Arsenal fans go crazy and send Edu uh, Instagram DMs. Like they know that. Like everyone, everyone thinks that you know that the football clubs don't understand how the media, um, football clubs and agents don't understand how the media work. It's untrue. You know they'll be sending little messages to Fabrizio Romano to put pressure on Arsenal. So I think um, I think Saliba's done a brilliant job on loan. I think it was the right decision. He's going to come back having made a lot of mistakes in a pretty chaotic system. Um, so I think I think it's good news, and um, I'm I'm calm about it, and uh, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to having another defender that can play the same way that Gabriel and Ben White can play next season. Because Rob Holding is a difficult one to bring into the system um, as part of a back four because he you know he just doesn't have that ball playing ability, but William Saliba certainly does, and he could possibly go a, a level up from Ben White. Mm, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent agreed. One hundred percent agreed, and I just think you know the point is it would. It would just seem crazy, I think, to me to have a solution there already, ready-made, even playing in Europe. And I think um, we were talking about this in the WhatsApp group earlier. And I think, you know, the soft factor practice that he's had at Marseille, where, you know, he's playing at probably the biggest club in France um, with a crazy fan base. Um, they've, they've got a European semi-final tomorrow that he's most certainly going to play with, uh, play in. Um, and they're uh, second in in the league, I believe, as well. So, you know, if he did go to Newcastle, I know, you know, you'd get used to the physicality, etc., of the Premier League. But, you know, at 21, you're going to have to get used to the physicality and that, that will happen at any point down the line. But playing in these sort of these intense games against PSG um, with a, 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 a maniacal crowd uh, shouting at you, playing the pressure situation, um, trying to qualify for Champions League at the club and playing in the pressure, situa- pressure situation, trying to, um, win a cup, win a European trophy. Um, you know, I don't think you can put a, a, a price or a value on having that kind of experience at 21. And as you said, um, he's played he's played almost um, four and a half thousand minutes uh, this season across all competitions at, at Marseille. And I think that makes him uh, the the, un, the under 21 with the most minutes um, in Europe in the top five leagues. You know, so so that is all invaluable experience. Um, that you you can't really put put a price on. So you know it seems it would seem insane to me that Arsenal have done that. It's almost a perfect loan for him um, if you want him to come back, and then they think about um, letting him. If, letting if him there go. is if there is one club that we do need to be worried about sniffing around William Saliba this summer, and this is just pure speculation, but Dan Ashworth, the Brighton uh, technical director, is going to Newcastle this summer, and we know that Dan Ashworth likes a ball-playing centre-back. And a 21-year-old William Saliba with two years left on his deal, I mean, he could throw more than 80 grand a week at William Saliba. So I'm, 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 sure, that, um, I'm sure that he'll be keeping an eye on that situation. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Definitely one, to, definitely one to watch. So, you know, um, I want to get into uh, some of the listeners' questions. So final topic I want to talk about was um, Gabriel Jesus. But um, essentially, we've had... Um, so many listeners' questions that I think it makes sense to sort of amalgamate um, this final section uh, into into listeners' questions. So there's lots of talk about 
um, strikers. So King underscore Marco, he mentioned, um, can Laka hit his quota of five before the season's up or has Eddie ousted him? For me, Laka's finished. I hope he's played his last game for the club um, as far as I'm concerned. So that's a line drawn under that one. I think Nketiah deserves to start um, the rest of the games. But um, questions on striker, right? So we have Jesus for 35 million and DCL for 30 million. Would that be a good striker pairing for next season or not? Um, and that's from Robin Stamford. Um, and then there is another one on striker. Uh, actually, there isn't another one. Oh, I asked the Enketia one um, before. So um, striker situation. Um, Jesus, I've, I've seen some tweets from you, um, Pete, about Jesus. How would you feel? Um, ah, so here's the other one. Sorry, from face-off season. Darwin, Osserman, or Jesus. So how would you feel um, about... Shabs looked like he twitched a little bit when you asked that question. I think he should go in first on this one. All right, go for it. <laughs> no, not even. Um, it was... I'm not a DCL fan. I, you know, I, and I think that's what the twitch was about. I was kind of like, yeah. Um, maybe there are things that I could like about DCL's game, but generally speaking, I think you know he's in the profile of striker that we, um, you know, that we should be looking for um, in terms of what, like his stature, his build, some of his um, physical attributes. But I've been very, very disappointed with his goal return this this season, honestly speaking, um, for DCL. Gab, Jesus, no problems with him. Run him over to us, you know, Asa. Like, you know, like I said already, I'll take him in a heartbeat. I think he's I think he's top quality. I think he's young. He understands the league. He's got so many aspects to his game um that are positive and that are lacking. Um I think yeah, you know, he he, he belongs in a side now where he can be the main man. And I think we need a type of striker as well who can take the game to um, opponents and create that X factor. I think there's so many times this season where we haven't been able to produce the goods or, you know, we haven't been able to finish or we haven't made the difference. I think about the Liverpool game, for example, when that was actually a close game, but the difference, they beat us 2-0. The difference is, you know, they took their chances and we couldn't. And I felt like if we had a striker, um, you know, there's a bit of a difference maker in that game. I think it could have been a different game for us. You know, I'm not saying we're ready to compete with the likes of Liverpool um, more broadly. Um, they're in a different league right now. But I think that's an example of the type of thing I'm talking about with um, Jesus. So, yeah, I'm I'm ready for it. I'm all for it. There's previous with Arteta kind of work. Um, and I like that. I think the other part to what you asked, Dan, and the other question... Darwin, Osiman or Jesus. I'm still taking Jesus, but I'm I am and I want it on record. I'm a big Darwin fan. And I think mm. um, you know, I I think it's unlikely, but I would be very happy with the signing of both of them in the summer. Um unlike as unlikely as it may be. I think they are um, yeah, I think they'd have a lot to offer us in terms of some of our striking problems. Like I am I I really People talk about Darwin's inconsistency technically. I really, really like him. I just think there's um, there's a lot of room for him, and I think he's problematic and of problems for a lot of defenses in the Premier League. And then he's a he's a different option as well in terms of the type of striker than mm -hmm. a Gabriel Jesus. So 
I'll, I'll definitely, definitely take him too. Okay, thank, thank you. And, 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 and Pete, um, I guess that that last question um, for you as well: Oshimen, um Darwin, or Gabriel Jesus? Who are you? Who are you picking? This, it, like, I um, what what do we know about Arsenal? As pretty much facts, Arsenal were interested in Isak last season. Arsenal bid, you know, we didn't bid. We uh, Arteta wanted Tammy Abraham, desperate for him, but we couldn't shift out Lacazette or Aubameyang. January, when people said that we didn't show enough ambition, we went for the most expensive striker in Europe. What do all three of those have in common? They're rangy, they're tall, they're mobile, they can play with their backs to goal, they're bullies. I just don't see Arsenal pivoting that profile. Like, that's a profile that he wants. What are Manchester City doing at the moment and where do they get struggles? In certain games when they can't break teams down, they've got no height in the box. And they're shifting into, you know, they want a Haaland, they wanted Kane, they wanted Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't see, you know, Arteta will recognise the weaknesses in City's system. So I think the main man is going to be a player in an Oshiman, a Nunes, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin profile. Um, Jesus, if, if you're going to sign him as a, as, a, as a wide player or a replacement for Pepe or to play as part of the front three, I kind of understand it. But as a main man, somebody that has underperformed these XG by 20, um, I just don't see it. I mean, up until last weekend, Lacazette had more Premier League goals than Gabriel Jesus in the most productive, creative machine ever created. And Arsenal fans are like, that's the guy. Like, he's he's the second guy. Uh, uh, you know, top quality, I'll take him as a second guy. But the main man, I I, I think the, an Oshiman or a Nunes feels, um, feels more in line with the sort of profile of player that we've been looking to, to sign. It's like that sort of specificity. And I also think, um, Gabriel Jesus is playing like a man who wants a new deal at Manchester City, right? He doesn't, you know, like the idea that he'd come to Arsenal and be back up. Why would he do that? He's playing at Manchester City as backup. He's going to come to Arsenal as the main man. So I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like this rumor works for Gabriel as much as it does for Arsenal at the moment. For Arsenal, it says, listen, we're in for top, top talent. Um, and for Gabriel, it, you know, we're asking questions of Pep Guardiola. And Pep Guardiola looked really angry when he was asked about it. He was like, no one knows anything about this deal. He said, it's, you know, nothing's been agreed. And I'll talk to the player at the end of the season. Uh, and he looked, he looked angry. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, two goals, 11 appearances, always injured. Um, got a bit of the Hector Bellerins about him with, you know, like the things that he wants to be part of outside the game. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not surprised that he's interested in coming to Arsenal. And um, we might pick him up as a secondary striker as a bargain because Everton will hopefully get relegated. But I don't, I don't you know, doesn't have enough goals. Arteta said he wants mm. goals, goals, goals. If the striker doesn't have goals on his resume, I, you know, I don't want to be going, oh, well, like his XG was good. No, if we're mm. spending 40, 50 million on a striker, I want to see 20 goals on that list. And that's why yeah. Darwin's interesting. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's interesting that the Calvert-Lewin one, right? Because... I think everyone saw that thread on Twitter um, that was, you know, all the strikers that have got, uh, well, not even strikers, all the players that have got um, better non-penalty non goals to minute ratio uh, this season than Lacazette. And Calvert-Lewin um, wasn't on that 102-player list uh, that included, you know, the likes of Antonio Rudiger and, um, and, and, and uh, Christian Pulisic and some of these other uh, sort of, underwhelming um players this season and, and players who, who were playing at centre back and and, and and beyond. So 
you know, I, I do think that Calvert-Lewin is, is probably lacking um, number one in the goals and then number two in the in the sort of the technical ability um, that we might want uh, from from a striker. So um, I, I wouldn't be particularly interested in him, um, even at a bargain price, personally. Um, and then I do like Oshimen. He's from the same place as me in Nigeria. So, you know, that's always a, a big, big bonus um, to see a Nigerian um, local lad playing uh, in an Arsenal in an Arsenal jersey, so I would never ever say no to that. Um, and Darwin, um, you know, I think um, I saw saw a scouting video of his uh, on Arsenal Vision podcast, um, and you know, I'm I'm sort of caught in two minds on him. Really, uh, I think he 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 carries what what can only be described as major threat. You know, um, which is one of the reasons why I like uh, Martinelli um, quite a lot. Is that you know, football is about scoring goals. It's about creating danger um, and creating chaos. And you know, when you are up against a defender, uh, a defender, you know, a lot of the thing that that comes up quite often is you know who 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 would be worried about playing against Alexandre Lacazette. You know, not many. He seems very easy to defend against, right? And I think Nunes, for his you know potential technical limitations, he's always, always, always a handful, right? And we've seen this the season. Uh, and we've seen this season. We've seen this season um, when he gets in the box that he is a he is a bit of a clinical finisher as well. So you know, I think right now what we're lacking in centre forward is is a big threat. You know, someone that occupies centre backs and gives um, you know more space to the likes of Martinelli, to ESR, to Saka, to Erdegaard. Um, and so you know, I don't think you can say no to a striker like that. Um, so maybe uh, Nunes wouldn't necessarily be my top choice, but. I can definitely see um, the positives that he brings um, he brings to the table, right? So, so this is an interesting question um, from Tommy Ajayi one, um, and he says, um, "If you could bring one Arsenal player from the Emirates era back into this side for the next five years, who would it be?" That's a good question. A fit, fully fit player. Like he's yeah. fit for five years, and then you're going to get their, their prime for the next five years. Oh, I know it's unpopular to say, but Robin Van Persie. Yeah, imagine Robin um, Van Persie in that in this club team. It would be just incredible. Yeah, it'd be it'd be absolutely nuts. I think you know the combination and the dropping in. He's he's. I think um, in the last ten years, he's probably the best sort of, um, I guess, like false nine-ish striker. Um, that we've seen, you know, and I think, you know, Benzema's doing a very, very good job at the moment. Um, but, you know, Pete Van Persie is right, right up there in terms of a guy that can come in, drop in, create, make his own goals, create for others and score absolute bangers. Um, so, so, yeah, he'd, he'd be my pick as well. So, Shabs, your, your thoughts on that one? Eh? A different answer? No, it's, no? The same. it's the same. It's the same. And I, and, I, and, I, and I hate this question because on the main pod the other day, we touched on it and, uh, you know, that betrayal is... is that betrayal strong, but yeah, honestly speaking, peak Van Persie, this team doesn't look backwards. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, even, and you know, even, I, I, I hate to say, it, everything for the Emirates area is kind of unpopular because it, it wasn't great. But um, Olivier Giroud is mm. uh, is leading Milan to a title charge. Ivan Gazidis, the rebirth. Yeah, Olivier Giroud in, you know, 27-year-old Olivier Giroud in this Arsenal side would bang. It yeah. would be a, a that would you know that's kind of what if we could find Olivier Giroud with pace this summer like we are we are cooking next season. 
100%. And I think, you know, it's funny um, that, that... Sorry, what about Adebayor? Adebayor, he's up there as well. Ooh. He's up there as well. Oh. Um, I, yeah. him. That, I forgot about I Adebayor. Him. He's no, up there as well, but, but I think, no. yeah, I think I think we've had a too much. Um, yeah, he he he, he burnt all bridges there. I think too he much drama. So, yeah, too much yeah. too much drama, and yeah, that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one to take. So, um, okay, so more questions, right? So um, this is a good one from Cameron Biring. Um, and he says, if we secure top four this season, what should be our expectations for next season in terms of Premier League and Champions League? So that's that's a big caveat, right? If we secure top four, um, so what what would you yeah what would you think represents a, a good target for next season if we do actually get top four? Uh, I, we, I think we have to stay in the top four again next season. Um, we can't just do it once. We have to strengthen so that we're good enough to compete on the league front alongside the Champions League, a good run in the Champions League. I'd say a good run back in the Champions League would be to get to the quarterfinals. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd accept that as the first season back in. Um, I'd want, you know, I'd, I'd be disappointed with an exit at the group stage. I'd be disappointed with an exit in the second round as well. Um, honestly speaking, I think yeah, we. I'd hope that if we got there, we could get to a quarterfinal. I'm finishing fourth, but finishing fourth a bit more comfortably. And I say that knowing that, um, you know, the one and two in terms of City and Liverpool will be strong. Chelsea will strengthen. Tottenham will want to compete. United with their new coach will want to compete. Um, there might be one or two others as well. So who are strengthening Newcastle will be stronger. I'm not saying that, you know, there's someone that we need to worry about now, but, you know, they'll be looking to take points off to some of the big boys as well. But, yeah, we've got to finish in the top four again, definitely. Minimum requirement. Mm. If we do it this time around, of course. The, um, the, yeah, the biggest challenge next season is managing three games a week at the start of the season. That's going to be, that's going to be really tough. You know, Spurs... Spurs have struggled all season with three games a week. Um, Arteta has never really had to manage that. And, you know, he's always had, when he has been involved in that, you know, the Champions League, he's always had a Manchester City squad to to lean on. And we've all seen how bad Arteta's squad rotation has been this season. So managing the first half of the season is going to be really important. But if we finish top four, we'll make some good signings this summer. And... Really, we should be thinking about third. Arteta wants to win the Premier League or compete for the Premier League in two seasons' time. Uh, you know, when Klopp will probably leave Liverpool, when Guardiola will probably leave Manchester City, there will be an opening for Arsenal. So, completely agree, we've got to stay in the top four. But really, with the turmoil that's going on at Chelsea, the players that they're going to lose this summer, the uh, who they're not going to have someone with fuck you money coming in. So... We we are what, uh, five points off Chelsea this season without a striker with the youngest team in the Premier League. Like I would I would like us to be looking at taking third next season because the biggest problem with the Arsene Wenger era the latter years was top four was enough. You know that's all he was aiming for. And I think when you when, when you when you sort of aim for the edge, sometimes you can drop out. Um, but we need to we need to be a consistent team 
in the Champions mm. League. So if we do get top four, it's how do we reinforce so we can manage the Champions League and, uh, you know, not be a yo-yo team like Spurs mm. were, be a consistent team like we used to be. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, for, for me, this season was all about, you know, how many points can we put on the board? Um, without without Europe, I thought we needed to aim for, for 70. Um, I think I said that back in July. Um, and I think for next season, if we do get top four, we've got to aim for, you know, high 70s, low 80s um, for me. Because then I think, you know, that that is um, a very, very solidified um, top four run. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you're looking at year on year progress. I agree. Um, Champions League, it might be, I, I think it might be a little bit difficult for, for us um, to get far in the competition just because of, you know, the pot that we might be in and potential group stages um, that we might get um, dealt with, because I think we might be in pot three or something like that um, with with the Champions League uh, next year, which means that we could get two very, very hard teams. Um, but um, I think, yeah, it would be great to get out of the groups, great to get um, past around the 16 as well. And I think, you know, quarterfinals um, would have to be, would have to be the target, but I'd be um, probably at this point, depending on what pot we're in, um, understanding if we um, if we didn't get there, but yeah, I think if we get top four and around that seventy point mark, then I think we need to aim for you know to add another you know seven to nine points to that next season, whilst maintaining that you know three game a week um, consistency, which is the big um, question mark uh, around around our te- at the moment. So uh, Arsenal presser, um, good friend of the pod as well. So he asked a similar question with some additions. In the summer, how far do you think we could go in the UCL? So um, that 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 I think we've answered. Um, and there's a question here from Harry Sutherland, who um, yeah, a big big fan of the pod, shared some drinks before the United game um, as well. Plays for Touchline Elevens as well. Um, he said last year I hated the idea of Ruben Neves, um, but I'm slowly warming to it now. Are there any players you were against signing previously that you now think would suit our team? So I'll go first there, um, if you guys don't mind, is that obviously Darwin um, um, is one that I've spoken about a little bit. Um, I'm an an about him. I think Osman, I'm an I'm an art about him as well. Um, and Bisuma is one um, that when we first got linked to him, I think before we signed Thomas Partey, I wasn't too sure on him. But now... I think he probably is my top midfield target if we could sign um, anyone uh, to come in and, and and play midfield for us. So so that's one that I would say. So how about you guys? Um, is there anyone that you were just like, no, I don't want this guy, but now you're sort of warming to the idea of bringing him in? My, mine would be um, Ruben Neves. I... You know, I, I I fell into the trap of just reading, you know, some of those F, those football Twitter accounts with the little, you know, Del Piero pictures in the bio. And I fell for the, he's just a, he's just a younger jacker. And then I, you know, I've watched him quite extensively this season because, you know, I really enjoy what Bruno Lager um, brought to Wolves. And I also watched Ruben Neves uh, when I was at the Emirates earlier on in the season. He's a lot more powerful than I thought he was. He's, you know, he's very well built and he's a, he's a really aggressive version of Jacker. Um, he takes on the more daring passes. He's got a bit of a shot, 
Um, the only worry that I have with him is I think he'll be quite expensive. I don't think we're going to get a Diego Jota-like price out of Wolves for him. But mm. I, I think he would elevate our midfield. And I, Tielemans I've always been a bit back and forth with. But I, I think that there are some quite hot rumours that we're going to go for Tielemans. 18 months left on his deal. Um, I think Arsenal like him a lot. And I think he is the sort of quality that we've lacked when Thomas Partey has exited the side. I think um, I think Tielemans was Thierry Henry's favourite player when he was managing at Monaco, so I would um, I would love to see him at the club. And I you know didn't really get him, and he hasn't had a great season. But I've been watching some videos of him, and I think he could add a lot um, to mm. our midfield, especially if we're in the Champions League next season. Mm. And Shabs, how about you? Not different to 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 those two, to be honest with you. Um, Nevers for similar reasons. You know, if, if if you look at him and his physical profile, you kind of, I, I would say that, you know, there's a lot to be desired in terms of just what I like um, stylistically and what I think we need. I think we need a bit of a powerhouse who can play, but depth, like, you know, definitely, definitely his performances this season. And to be honest with you, I've always liked never going back to Paul's old days, um, I just didn't think he was the right fit for us based on what we have and what we need. But I've completely changed my mind on that and I would I would I would take him. Um and yeah, I'd say Bisuma as well. Mm. Similar reasons to what you gave. Um I don't think I have much of a different reason um, yeah. behind that. But yeah I definitely would take Bisuma uh, in a heartbeat. And the great thing about all of those players that we've just mentioned, they're now players. We we don't need squad backup. We need First team players, and I think mm. you know you're not going to be disappointed. Almost any of the players that we've spoken about in this whole podcast, they're all additive, and they're all now instead of like last season where it was like, well, you know, I have to give Samuel Conga 25 games to, mm. to to see where he's at as a player. These are players that will just slip in and do the job from the off, yeah. and that's what we need. Yeah, 100 agreed. 100 agreed. So final final three um, questions here. So this one's. Uh, a quick one. You have the oh, well, I hope it's quick. You have the option to sell, uh, well, to start, bench, or loan um, these three players, right? It's from Count Draxula, um, uh, and the players are Saka, ESR, and Martinelli. So that's a tough one, right? So you have to start, bench, and sell um, those three guys: Saka, ESR, and Martinelli. Oh, that's cruel. <laughs> Very cool. Are we? Are we? Are we pleading the fifth? We're not. We're not answering that one. I couldn't sell any of them. Yeah, that that would I, I think that that would bring down the fan base. They're just too all of them. Like Jurgen Klopp's favorite young player, uh, Smith Rowe, just devastatingly good, and Saka is the the star boy. We can't. Well, I'm sorry, we can't sell any of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm pleading the fifth. I don't want to answer that. <laughs> Why would you ask us? I don't even understand yeah. what you're doing. Cool. Asking the reason that question that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's asked the question. He listens to the pod. Yeah, you know, Count yeah. Jackson. Thanks for the question, I, but I didn't next mean time, it let's like keep that. it. Let's keep it. Let's keep it upbeat. Yeah, let's keep it upbeat. Um, yeah. So um, this other one from I really do rage. Um, he says, "Would you take Pogba?" Absolutely. No. I would. <laughs> oh, I would. On the ability, yeah. Um, the, the, I think the, real, I think realistically, the, Shaps, right? So let's let's pose it like this: Would you take Pogba, knowing um, sort of he's going to cost four hundred k a week? What what his wages are, his injury record, his age, and everything that else that comes around him, right? So it's not just 
would you take Pogba at his best? Is would you take Paul Pogba in his current form, like the, the current form that he finds himself in, um, and the wages that he comes with? Yes, because I'm a sicko. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's still a bit of Wenger about me. Um, no, no, no. Honestly, my, 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 my heart says, yeah, take him. Just take him. Just go with it. But my head says, no, nah, we've got, we got mm. to stay clear of, of not just Pogba, we've got to stay clear of that type of business. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's what we... That goes against what it is that we're building, that type of signing, that profile of signing, that, you know, player, ego, you know. We, and it's, it's not going to marry well with Arteta, I don't mm. think. Look at, look at, look at Oba. Look at Ozil, you know. Look at Gwendouzi. Mm. <laughs> so mm. Pogba is not going to marry. That's not. That's not a good marriage. Yeah, yeah. I have. To, I have to agree. Um, and I do like the player. I think. I, and and the thing is, you know, contrary to sort of what the Man United legends would would have you say, I think a lot of the the talk around him in France is that you know he's a good professional, doesn't drink, etc., and all this stuff. Doesn't really go partying. Family man, um, married with his with his kid, and all this stuff. Um, but I just think 29 years old, injury prone, 400k a week. That is, you know, the old Arsenal. Um, I would say it's not the new Arsenal. So even if you know you could guarantee, unless you could guarantee me that he was going to be fit for the next four years of his contract, whatever it's going to be, that he'd sign for 400k and you'd get the very, very best Paul Pogba for those four years. Um, it's something that I'm not interested in at all. I would love him to go to somewhere like Man City. And, and sort of like really show the hate as something, but um, I don't want to take that risk at, at us at this fledgling period um, in our development, personally. Yeah, three, he's uh, he's what three point seven Martinelli's a week in wages, three point seven Smith Rose. Um, actually, and I think he's more like four point two Smith Rose and three point seven mm. Sackers. We just don't, we don't need that baggage. He's won everything. Um, he, he mails it in too often. He's injured all the time. Um, and, you know, Obama Yang went to Barcelona. Everyone's like, look, you know, he's, he's revitalized. Who's talking about Obama Yang right now? I just think when players get to 29, especially if they've won the World Cup, the Champions League, like, why are they going to want to come and play for a 38 year old manager? Then they, they don't. They don't care. They don't want to learn new things. I think that Barcelona or Madrid will take the punt on him and spend the money because that's just what they do. They need that sort of profile. But I think Arsenal lead young, hungry and dynamic. We made our mistakes with older players, with William signing Ozil again, signing Aubameyang again. Like that's a finished finished business, um, I think, Mm. for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, And very last question here. Um, Let me just find this question. Um, One to close on, right? Um, And where's it gone now? Um, just want to get there at. So the question is: Do we make Champions League? Simple as that. Yeah. Do you, Do you think we make Champions League? Yes. Yes. We've got to believe. We've got to believe. I'm going We've to say got yes. to believe. I'm going to say yes as well. I'm going to say yes. Um, but it won't. I'm, it won't be five straight wins. And I think that that's what Arsenal fans have got to be. You've got to be prepared that we're going to bleed at West Ham, at Leeds, at Newcastle, Everton. There's going to be there's going to be pain and there's going to be suffering. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be it's not going to be five straight wins. But also, Spurs aren't going to win five straight games either. So mm-hmm. it's like we get too much panic in the system immediately because we assume that Conte is going to go on a five game run, and I just don't think it will happen like that. 
Yeah. Um, I can't I can't find the person at who who asked me that, but I definitely saw that question. So um, apologies to you, but um, thank you, Pete, very much for 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 coming on the podcast. I've very much enjoyed this discussion. I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed hearing all of your um, in depth opinions about various uh, Arsenal topics. Thank you. Uh, I love uh, I love all the content that you do. Um, I, I love seeing the little viral tweets that ping off uh, every now and then. Super provocative. Um, uh, you know, it's great to see this go from strength to strength. And we'll have to do a reverse crossover with the Arsenal opinion. We'd love to have you on again. Of course, man. Of course, we'd be happy to jump on any time. And Shabs, thanks for joining me, my man. Um, and to the listeners, thank you, everyone that's joined and watched this live. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, Make sure you drop a like on the video and make sure um, you leave some comments, five-star reviews, all of that good stuff. And everyone listening uh, on Spotify, Apple uh, podcasts, make sure you do the necessary and needful as well. So um, thanks, everyone. Um, and we will catch you uh, on the flip side after the away game at West Ham, which is hopefully another uh, three points in the bag and three points closer to finally getting Tuesday and Wednesday night football back at the back at the Emirates. Peace. Could have had that fight, but I'm in walk on site. Man, I have to grab that mic. You're not gonna spit this time. Trying to work with a good oh, energy. Man, you're gonna work with a bad man vibe. None of these guys can't do it. It's amazing. Like it's amazing. That's foul. Man, I'm That's the response of Arsenal. Across the line. Score from my team in the time I play. Where that no one man's inside. Chelsea. Man, I say I get simply lost their focus in the joy of equalising. But I won't see you right. Man, could have had that fight. Sports Social Podcast Network.